This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Post Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. Welcome to Backstage at Tillis Center. I'm Sherry Linker, Director of Communications here, and the idea behind this podcast is to provide listeners with a peek behind the scenes, what it takes to put on a performance on stage, and along the way, share some backstage stories. Speaking of backstage stories, today we're talking to Bob Goida, Director of Facility Operations here, which basically means he runs everything from concessions to box office and has been doing this for almost 40 years. Thanks for joining us, Bob. Thanks for inviting me. It's great to be here. So let's get right to it. For 40 years, you've seen it all, and you literally personify the name of this podcast, Backstage at Tillis. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time backstage at Tillis, that's for sure. So what we want to know, what was the most fascinating artist, in your opinion, to perform on stage? Uh, going through a lot of different genres, which are, you know, more specific. I mean, there are some of my personal favorites, like we did Joe Satriani a couple of years ago, who I've always loved listening to, and to meet somebody like that who you've enjoyed for years is always a thrill. But then we've had some other shows in the past that have been very impressive. We've done a, a show by Philip Glass. Uh, called Kiana Scotzi, which played with a movie, his soundtrack to that movie, which was phenomenal evening of entertainment. Uh, I've seen some top dance performances, some jazz performers who, you know, I like to see people and see what they're really like and to find really, you know, performers who are really down to earth. So what would you say is uh, who personifies the most down to earth that you've come across? Uh, my favorite so far to deal with has been David Sanborn, jazz sax player. He was just so not the star. You know, he came in, he did his sound check, he hung out with the crew, he talked to the crew. Carol Burnett was another one who was like that. She came in, she wanted pictures with everybody, she wanted to meet people. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah, it is. It is, it is the enjoyable part of the job is to meet people like that and to, you know, see that they're real people other than the stage persona. So what was the funniest moment that you can recall? Hmm, funny moment. Hmm, I've had a few, but some involved personal risk, so I don't know if we want to go into that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was trying to undo a drop once and almost fell off a picker, which was, I guess, in retrospect, funnier than it was at the time, when it was much more harrowing. Um... Funny moment that occurred. Why don't you catch me with that one a little bit? Well, let's bit. pause on let's, that. Well, maybe I'll come up with something. Okay. So I'm sure there's a lot of stories about a show that almost never was or something along that line. Can you share scoop on a near miss? Uh, we had uh, David Copperfield one time in the middle of a snowstorm. Uh, he got his trucks in, and we were loading in the whole show, and it just kept snowing and snowing. It was one of these, I think it was a March snowstorm that wound up having people calling up and going, is the show still going on? It was like, yes, show's still going on. And then it almost didn't because our 
performer was talking to his girlfriend on the phone for a while, so it kind of delayed the start of the show. For, a heated conversation? Uh, no, I think it was more of a romantic conversation, <laughs> okay. but she was in Italy at the time, and he was in Greenvale, so the time difference, he had to fit it in, and you know, it kind of ran into showtime, but we got it through. Oh, that's good. <laughs> what was the most unusual request from a performer, and I'm sure you've seen plenty? Mm, yeah, I've had multiple requests for strange things that are really hard to find, different kinds of drink items. One of the funniest ones I had recently was someone who uh, asked me to go out and get them some gluten-free guacamole. Now, I ran around to about five stores until I had a conversation with some guy where he said, you know, there is no gluten in guacamole, so I don't know why we're looking for something specific like that. Every guacamole is gluten-free. Yes, there's no gluten in guacamole. It's avocados, tomatoes, juice. There's no gluten there. But they ask for things like that. Uh, sometimes I've found weird things in contract writers that are only there to make sure you're reading the contract writer. Anyone in particular that you can share? I had one for Martinelli's apple juice, which now is pretty popular, but like 10 years ago, the only place you could get it was single bottles in a deli, and they were asking for a case. And was that for a particular artist? Yes, that you can... it was. Oh, you... <laughs> Mom's the word. I don't, I don't want to get into too many people specifically. I look out for lawsuits myself. Of course. <laughs> um, who was uh, different than you expected coming into the performance? Mm. Let's see. I didn't, first time I met Yo-Yo Ma, I wasn't really sure of how to treat, because sometimes classical performers are very, you know, on the edge and they aren't very communicative. But uh, Yo-Yo is like a very good person, very nice person. He'll share hints with you and tips. Like my best tip from Yo-Yo was only serve white grape juice backstage because if you spill it on your tuxedo shirt, it doesn't make a stain. <laughs> so I've always gone by that. I figure if that, that works for him, it's going to work for everybody. <laughs> good enough for Yo-Yo. I'm going to use that from now on. Yeah, exactly. It's good enough for yo What would Yo-Yo do? <laughs> I don't want to use up 40 years of stories today because I do want you to come back, but let's end with maybe one of your favorite stories of working here. Well, one of the favorite things that I did was when we did the reconstruction on the theater and we went and built the atrium on the front of it, we did a lot of work in there late at night. And there used to be one of the custodial crew who was a bagpiper. And one night we're in there doing some work at about 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. And all of a sudden we hear this bagpipe music <laughs> going throughout the entire theater. And the and entire space. And we're like, <laughs> are we haunted? Is there something going on here? And it turns out that he liked to play in one of the beginning mechanical rooms because he loved the echo. But it echoed throughout the entire building. So every night we were in there working on it would get serenaded by bagpipe music. It was kind of interesting. But speaking of that, before we end this, you weren't here for when the dome collapsed, were you? Oh, yes, I was. Can you just talk a little bit about that? It's a great history of Tillis Center, and I think something that continues to be written about. Yeah, I mean, we are a chapter in the book, Why Things Fall Down with the Dome. It was a snow load on one side that cracked it, and the whole entire roof came down. 
uh, didn't damage anything inside because it basically fell on a cushion of air and slowly settled. So it wasn't like a demo job or anything. And what what year was that? Oh boy! Or how long ago? Trust me, it's uh, see seventy seventy seven seventy eight somewhere around there. I think it was. I mean, it. I know it opened in sixty nine. I worked in it for a while. It wasn't a great place. I mean, it was one of these multi-purpose facilities that if it rained, it sounded like somebody was throwing beans on a drum skin inside of it. Uh, But yeah, that came down. Uh, The decision was made to rebuild the space. Uh, They used the existing outside walls of Tillis right now are the same walls that the dome was on. So they just dug out the inside and rebuilt it tried to make it not look like a dome because they didn't want to <laughs> have that hanging over them. And uh, from then on, it was just full speed ahead to what we are now, and we've turned it into a much better place. Uh, it's a beautiful facility to see shows in. Sight lines are great, sound is great, and I'd like everybody to come down and enjoy what I've been enjoying for years. So everything for a reason, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I hope you come back and share more Inside Scoop. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Um, And for everyone else, join us this weekend for a wide range of performances. On Thursday, May 3rd, Chris Angel Raw Mind Freak comes to our concert hall. Friday, Shifting Gears, Alan Menken is here for an evening of story and song. And Sunday, the multi-award winning Emerson String Quartet makes its Tillis Center debut. You've been listening to Backstage at Tillis Center on the campus of LIU Post in Brookville, Long Island. Like what you hear? Here's how you can let us know. Give us a call at 516-299-2626 or email us at info at wcwp.org. Like us at facebook.com slash mywcwp and leave a comment or tweet us at mywcwp. We welcome all kinds of feedback. To directly support the podcast you just enjoyed, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to give back, visit wcwp.org and click the support tab. Thanks for listening from your friends at WCWP.